Inner Voice. A heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Break free from the forces holding you back. Get the life you deserve. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, decrease depression, and start living your full potential. Thousands have used Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory, an evidence-based behavioral health breakthrough with incredible life-changing results. Getting rid of past trauma, having fulfilling relationships, increasing earnings, and living their best life. Now, the Fujian app is available to everyone. The app is Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory in the palm of your hand. Download the Fujian app today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice Podcast, a heartfelt chat with me, Dr. Fujian Zain. I'm a psychotherapist, an author, and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. It's great to be with you today. Here are a series of my books uh, about Awareness Integration Theory, which many of you usually ask me. Um, Life Reset, which is set up for um, all of you who are out there who like to really work on yourself. And it's almost like a self-help book that you go through the process and all the interventions that the awareness integration has, which is um, creation of awareness for you in different realms of life and um, um, integrating your past into the present moment and envisioning the tomorrow the way that you intended to be and create. Now, the Awareness Integration Therapy book, right at the middle, that's for all of you amazing therapists, mental health workers, life coaches, people who are working with clients and you would like to put the Awareness Integration Therapy into your practice and really um, watch your clients glow and flow and grow. Now, um, the third one, Intentional Parenting, which was written with two of my amazing colleagues, Dr. Nicole Jafari and Dr. Eileen Manukian. The Intentional Parenting, it's for all of you amazing parents, grandparents, teachers, um, people who are raising children. This book takes you chapter by chapter through different ages, what you can do, what are the um, appropriate developmental um, stages and how can you um, do your work with your children from the awareness integration angle. So it is important for everyone who's uh, is a part of raising an amazing, amazing child to be able to go through the books and um, and work with them. For all of you and great therapists or life coaches or mental health workers, if you are wanting to become a certified um, awareness integration therapist, certified therapist, um, our next essentials of awareness integration theory workshop is going to be June um, 23rd to 25th of uh, in, in kind of a month from now, actually. So we would love to have you Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we go teach you all the principles, all the interventions, and how you get to be with um, your clients uh, from uh, use, using this model, which is proven to minimize depression and anxiety and raise self-esteem and self-efficacy. So if you're interested in that, definitely um, let me know. Go to awarenessintegrationinstitute at gmail.com, fujanzain at gmail.com. Anyway, anywhere that you can find me, it'll be awesome. So I'd love to hear from you and uh, be able to pass along um, this amazing um, theory and intervention. Now today, in this episode, I get to chat with Larry 
Thornton. He's an artist, he's an entrepreneur and servant leader growing up in segregated Montgomery, Alabama. He worked his way from sign painter to advisor, ad, um, advertising manager at Coca-Cola Birmingham. And then he became the first African-American to open a McDonald's franchise in Birmingham, Alabama. He eventually opened multiple stores and created Thornton Enterprises. His book, Why Not Win? A Reflection on a 50-Year Journey from the Segregated South to America's Boardrooms and What It Teaches All serves an inspiration for people from all walks of life. Larry also founded the Why Not Win Institute to make leadership development accessible. All of these book sales profit goes to the support of the Institute's mission. And you can find him at LarryThornton.com. I had an amazing conversation with him. I hope that you enjoy the conversation as much as I have. Now, subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel. Connect with me through my website, fujanzane.com, or any of the social media. If you are an app lover and do your self-help work with app, go to Fujon app. It's on Apple and, and, um, and Google Play. You can have it on your Apple phone or, Google, or Androids. Um, every single month, you get three different um, um, words, um, areas of life that you can work on. And so far, people who have done this, that work on app, they found 40% um, benefit into those air, life areas. So I'm sure that you will enjoy it. So share with me your thoughts, your interest, and um, I really love to hear from you. So now, without further ado... It's Larry Thornton. Well, welcome to the show, Larry Thornton, everybody, and um, the author of Why Not Win. Welcome to the show. Great. Looking forward to a conversation. Um, as I was reading your book and going through it, um, there were a couple of things that really caught my mind and, and my eyes. It was, and my heart. <laughs> so um, I love these sentences that you begin with, which is the game has been scheduled. So we have to play. Why not win? And then it was interesting because as I was reading this thing and I'm like, that's life. And then suddenly right uh, behind behind that says, you have now been born. So you have to live. Why not win? And well, I love what you said about um, your son, which is, I would say to my son, there's a ball with your name on it. You may drop the ball and others may try to take it from you. But never forget, it's yours. So hold on tight, get in the game and play to win. And you did, you did this in your life. So share about you, about what brought you to want to write this book and how with all the elements that happens naturally in your life as you were born in a particular space and set up and all of it, how do you, and I'm sure with your business McDonald's and everything else, Life just brings a lot and throws a lot of balls at you. But with the mentality of why not win, you take it on. 
step by step. So I'm intrigued and I want to know. Well, first of all, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Any opportunity that we have for John to, to share more completely, more succinctly, how we win in life. And uh, throughout my career, I'm convinced that not everybody is aware of his or her individual role in the process of your own winning. And so I looked around after about 50 years, I guess, and I didn't see very many people who looked like me uh, in these corporate spaces. And I didn't see very many women who looked like you, Bujan, in these corporate spaces. Yet we all have the capacity to win. So I wanted to capture those rudiments of thought, those processes of thinking, uh, personal disciplines that would lead to a winning experience. And of course, you talked about uh, the very opening, which is the piece that I love. I'm just watching the NBA finals and the sportscaster never read those three lines. I just read them longing the camera would or span long enough for me to take those in. And when I did, I knew that those three lines would resonate with me for the remainder of my days, clearly. And I can't think of a more fitting question because everybody wants to win, but not everyone's aware of the process of getting there. So I wanted to capture those lessons and little did we know that not only would we write a book that would be so resonant to such a large community, but uh, since then, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't, but uh, there is a Why Not Win Institute that's been generated. In fact, if you will go back and look at the introduction, it was written by Dr. Zilla Fluker. She's a secondary education person, so she reads the manuscript and writes a great introduction through a piece of my artwork. And she comes back and she says to me, Larry, I think we have something. So I have no idea what she's talking about. And she says, we, we, I have captured over a hundred quotes from your manuscript. And I'm wondering what manuscript did you read? But we have subsequently put together a curriculum. Fujian, we have been on more than 40 college campuses taking this message. And I will tell you that eight colleges and universities have adopted this book as a mandatory read for credit to major universities, Kennesaw State University and East Tennessee State University teaches a course to its honors students. The title of the course is Why Not Win? And if you contrast that to my horrible high school academic record, you know, my senior English teacher has to be just as proud as I am uh, that this is happening. Well, Larry, I teach at Cal State Long Beach. Ah. And, and I can promise you, I'm going to take some parts of your book with your permission and actually wow. take chapters and put it there too. I co I teach uh, mental health and well-being because I'm a yeah. therapist. I've been a therapist for 30 years and I've had the opportunity now so I feel so blessed to be able to teach mental health and well-being and um, to my students. And as I was going through, and then as you said, and I'm like, yes, that's what they got to get. That no matter idea. what happens, no matter what happens, no matter how much traumas we have, no matter what you know life brings in front of us, um, that we want to win. And 
this sentence you said also resonated with me. It said, so often it seems the things that happen to us in life are not so much about what is happening in the moment, but rather are about placing us on the path to lead ways for others. And that is so true. And that's what you've done. It's taking what has been, um, what has been happening to you and many others whom, whom many others can go into the space of victimization for it and stay in that space. You took it and shifted it. And I, again, because I'm a therapist and I, not only I've gone through a lot of traumas as a childhood and I've, I work with trauma and I can see where, you know, we can, we can create a growth process out of what happens to us, or we can sit in it and feel the pain all Absolutely. of our life, you know? And I think that's when, when we could take what is there for us and create a growth out of it and learn how we survive, how we learn through every step. And your book really brings it in a beautiful way because it's it, it writes in such a way that you could imagine, like it's visual. Suddenly I created this like, oh, it, it was almost like I could watch you as I read you. Well, when you think about uh, all that happens to us, you just mentioned in your own experience some of the trauma. And you might imagine, it should be easy to imagine, in the South in, uh, of our country in, in 1967, 68 being one of six Black students to attend for the first time in the history of the state, an otherwise all-white school. So it was the trauma of it all. I had skipped the first grade. So here I am, 12 years old, in the ninth grade, with these tremendous messages of inferiority coming at me on a daily basis, and it took a toll on me. But if we can remember, and I'm sure you teach this as well, if we can not allow our past missteps to define us, and I think that that happens perhaps more often than it should, we'll get a definition and we think that we have to live by that definition uh, for a significant piece of our lives, and in some cases, all of our lives, we never get past, which generates a certain prayer that I quote in the book, save me, oh God, from that wretched man, myself. Uh, I, to this day, I believe that we offer the greatest deterrent to our own growth and development, but we have to understand uh, that piece. Help me to get over what I can't seem to get past. Now, I'm sure that in some of the work that you do, that's a real challenge. I just can't seem to get past. But forgive yourself, forgive that individual, forgive the situation, and let's win more completely in life. It, we have it within us, but if we're not aware of it, it'd be no different than a gift that I gave you last Christmas and you never opened it. And uh, we have these capacities with us all the time. And what we love about the Institute and the work that we do is that we really think that we're helping individuals to unwrap gifts that are already there, but uh, they're not necessarily aware of it. So when we look at, um, when I've looked at, um, when you said like, for example, you might understand, I think I, I have some experience, but there was one experience that it dawned on me, which was, um, came for me when, um, when I was about 17 and I was in the ASU and I remember it was, I'm originally from Iran. 
So, and I remember right at the time of the hostage taking that um, we were in a space where Americans were very angry at Iranians, even who were here. And they will go after, you know, um, a lot of brutality, violence, a lot of things happen. And I remember people um, saying like, I'm not from Iran, they would hide from it because they didn't want to go through the brutality. So I was lucky enough to have such a great friends, which I didn't have to hide around that element and, you right. know, the love they had for me and all of that. But it dawned on me because I had one client who were working and it just seems like some people can hide from the brutality. They can change their identity. They could do different things, but you can't. <laughs> you cannot walk on the street of someone who's prejudiced upon you and hide. And that's a different experience that you have to face what you have to face because there's wow. no way of hiding. Where in a lot of other levels, people could shift and, you know, kind of like, be a chameleon in somehow in order to get away from abuse yeah. and that is a whole different level that i'm not sure if everybody understands unless you're in it unless you're in it well i think it certainly starts uh Fujian, with us uh, i pose a question toward the end of my four or five page prologue I think that it has to be one of the innermost personal questions that we can ask of ourselves. And the question is this, what is it that you see when you see me? What is it that I see when I see you? And if we're willing to be honest about the biases that most of us have, at least one, and we can call the question as it relates to how we see other people in terms of gender, in terms of ethnicity, in terms of sexual orientation, housing status, financial status, ableness, educational level. Most of us can call the question from Jean, is this honest? Is this just? Is this the best that I can do? And I think for most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we could say, no, it's not. I can do better. How can I write my vision of how I ought to see other people? Um, if we can become big enough, you see, it starts with you. Can I be big enough to invite those into my sphere of influence who might not look like me, who might not think the way I think, who might not believe what I believe, the human resources, the value of what other people bring to your capacity for winning is enormous. I could spend an hour talking about relationships and I hope we'll get to that you know, before we finish this and will not have even scratched the surface on how much value we leave on the table for no other reason than we're not inviting people into our sphere to help us win. Other people, now Fujian, I wanna say literally, but I can't say literally, but other people will virtually lift you up and deliver you unto the desires of your heart. Uh, I get the question all the time, you know, how do you serve on corporate boards and you're still painting and drawing and your own restaurants? How do you do all of that? 
It's not me, it's other people. And I spend a lot of time trying to master relating relationships. It's so powerful, but we miss it. We miss it too often. So talking about relating, um, in relating, there is a relatedness that shows up, right? So what I get, like right? So what I get is knowing, knowing what parts of me could be similar to yours and I can relate to those and honoring the differences I have with you, with any human being that is in front of me and learn from those differences Right. Grow from those differences. Grow from those differences. And to to kind of connect and feel safe with how I relate of knowing how we're the same in some aspects and growing from the aspects that I don't know yet. Yep. Yep. Love it. I love it. Uh, because once you get to know, it is amazing what happens. One of the universities that happens to be teaching a course to their honors students, um, <clears throat> the name of the course <laughs> at East Tennessee State University is Why Not Win? Oh, Miss Nichols would be so proud of uh, the board that she couldn't get to read a book, has written a book that colleges are just so excited about. But we were in that course. This is the third semester that they are teaching this book as a course to honors students. But the first semester, John, we went and there were 18 all white honors students, very sharp. This university is 97% majority white, only two, 3% of people of color. And we had three individuals in that classroom to say to us, that we have never met a black person. And just about everybody that I share that story with will find that kind of interesting and amazing and hard to believe. But if you'll go around and ask people, not from a black white perspective, but how many Asians have you met? Not seen, I've been around, but gotten to know. How many Indians do you know? And I think the answers might be similar to that because we tend to want to stay in our bubble. Uh, I have a couple of Indian friends now who are looking to be McDonald's franchisees. And it's been the most interesting experience getting to know them. They have a food truck now, but I'm working with them to get them to ownership of a McDonald's franchise. And Vanish has invited me to dinner. I'm looking forward to this opportunity. You said it a moment ago to be exposed, but to grow. So when we had those three students to say that, it just kind of, it didn't rest well with me. So what we have done is we've created a partnership with Tennessee State University, which is just a few miles from each other, 96, 7% HBCU, African-American community, and we have their honors students now matched up with East Tennessee State's honors students. They will spend three days, Bujan, on each other's campus and get exposed, get to know. You can't convince me that those individuals, both communities, 
will grow exponentially and will be better positioned to make a more <clears throat> a sizable contribution to society because now I understand. And if this model works, then we're looking to do that with other universities around the Southeast. Rather than flying all the way to London for foreign studies, how about just driving down the street and getting to know what's right there next to you? And uh, we're so excited about the programs that we're putting together with that. I think those are very exciting. Many of the research has shown that when you get to know someone personally, um, people change their mind on the way that um, let's say culturally or handed down generation after generation um, ideologies or prejudicism because right. the the effect of the otherness, you know, it's us and then the others. Um, I like that word, otherness. The, uh, right. So there's this concept that, you know, you could put it in your mind and you could project whatever you want to that group. But when yep. you actually meet someone, connect with someone face-to-face, heart-to-heart, you have a different experience of that person in and your similarities and differences where that connection completely creates another bond. And although you might, you know, just knowing one or two people might not necessarily change the whole, you know, multi-generational ideologies that have been handed down, but at least takes all and breaks the all. And it's like, oh, yep. you know, Iranians can all be that, or Indians can yep. all be that, and Blacks can all be that. Oh. Because you know what? Because I know a couple of them who are not what you say. So it, it breaks the all at least. Absolutely. And maybe, you know, it opens up this whole essence of, um, inclusion and having uh, having the ability to relate to each other in a whole different way than you know we have in the past or that maybe also it holds us in a different place of a future otherness you know because it you know sure. it always creates something in the future it's not this is like oh this is all the past immediately right. if there's a war if there's something you you know the same thing we have right now with you know, the, the conversation in political sense of uh, the Asians and Chinese were openness of how, you know, uh, brutally um, creating another dialogue around them. So it's not only the past, it's more about how we can, we could do this again and again and again. And so what you said is how to bring this society together so that people actually get to know each other in a safe environment. Um, that's what we think that we're creating with these university models. I mean, it's just gonna be so beautiful, I think. Uh, here's, a, here's an observation that I will make. I'm not sure how far along the book you've got, but uh, there are, in each of the illustrations of those racial episodes, I would argue that those episodes had more to do with ignorance than it did anything else. Uh, I, I, I was just not aware. Now, we're all born into ignorance. Uh, that is uncomfortably true. And we spend a significant amount of our lives in a state of ignorance. But anyone who remains ignorant only has him or herself to blame. And uh, for John, I would, I would divide ignorance into at least two categories. 
there is willful ignorance. If you can recall the story where this gentleman who went to Buffalo seeking out where black people congregate and I'm gonna kill as many as I can. In my opinion, that's just a willfully ignorant individual. But a lot of what uh, we call ignorance, I think it's quite innocent. It's, it's called innocent ignorance. I just don't know any better. Social construct, my parents, my grandparents, instructed inadvertently that this is the way that I ought to be. And I love converting and changing as you would read in this book, what was just a matter of ignorance. Once I got to know, you see, I'm different now. Which begs the question, were you ever really that? You just kind of went with the flow of things. And uh, we can talk about any one or two or three of those episodes in the book if you like, we have the time to do that. But it just bears out to be factual, I think. Uh, we're curbing what we call, what I would call just uh, innocent ignorance. I just didn't know. I didn't realize. I've never been around you. Uh, imagine when we went to Goodwin Junior High School in the ninth grade. Well, we, we had never been around whites in that capacity. They had never been around us. And so you had these, this, these two worlds clashing for no other reason than I just don't know you. You see, when you see me, how you see me, I should say, dictates how you handle me. And that's what we run into. Women suffer with that to this very day. African-Americans suffer with that. Ethnicity uh, issues arise as a result of that sexual orientation. We suffer with it only because I don't understand. And uh, I often say this, if more people understood the benefit of a spider and what a spider does and what our world would look like if we didn't have spiders, <laughs> but because we don't understand spiders, we just want to kill them every time we see them. So life is kind of that way. We do a lot because we just simply do not know any better. We're ignorant. Some of it is that. Some of it is, as the ignorance also continues is, um, is also needing to be part of a tribe. So if you're part of a tribe that has a particular message and you think that I have to be part of it, then I take all the messages that the tribe just gives me without necessarily questioning some of the message. Which so, is one of the most egregious forms of ignorance that I know of, but go ahead. I, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Ignorance. Yes, but the, you know, wanting to be part of the tribe pulls us in a way that we don't grow because we're stuck in, in a particular stuck. message that is. There's also this other question that I came up for me as you were talking, which is going from segregation and being isolated to the concept of being acculturated or assimilated to the new and coming from a different country into a new country, I've had to go through the concept sure alteration and assimilation and part of what you were sharing is having the ability to go from one community to the bigger community as you were going to your high school to go into the bigger community and having to be um, kind of acculturated or assimilated there's also this backlash that I have also seen a lot when 
one person attempts to assimilate to the whole new culture, they, they get a backlash from their own culture of, oh, you're t- you've become too white or you've become too American or you've become too this, you know? And it's like, you're forgetting who you are. And it's almost this kind of like the balance of going back and forth between the two worlds and bringing the best of both and somehow within. What is your experience of that? My experience is just uh, exactly what you described. Um, Being in the community from which I came uh, and am uh, still a part and work hard so that we create growth and winning opportunities within. But yes, I've gotten those accusations that because you're serving on these corporate boards and because you're the first and only black to do this and to do that and to serve, board of directors of Coca-Cola, board of directors of Sonoma's Bank, uh, people in your own community, not just your community, <laughs> your own family sometimes, will uh, make certain judgment calls. And that's that's um, unfortunate, but you know, we there's so much work to be done that we can't allow that to deny or to augment the work that has to be done. Uh, I would put it this way too, social construct messaging affects all of us, period, even within ethnicities. Just to give you a case in point, so uh, I can remember maybe 23, 24 years ago, Fujian taking my first flight out of the country. Um, We flew to Buffalo and we're about to fly over to the winter games ceremonies. And I'm sitting on this huge 747. I'm trying to understand how this thing can stay in the air for 10 hours. Is there enough fuel? I'm looking at these tremendous engines. It's just, it's just was overwhelming. As I'm sitting there, then out of the cockpit walks a black pilot. I've never seen a black pilot ever, not even on television. Now, I'm sitting there thinking what I hate that I'm thinking. I I hated that I thought what I thought, but I thought it because social construct has messaged that black people don't fly planes. And I'm committed now. Isn't it horrible? I'm on this plane about to take this leg over to Turin and I'm questioning. I felt horrible. Now, this was a private jet which means that the same pilot flew us back from the Winter Games. I want to grow, Pujan. I want to be better. And this is the message to all of the listeners today. Do you want to be better? I made it my business to get into the cockpit. I I think they thought that I had something nefarious on my mind, but I want to meet this black pilot. And I had a chance to talk to him I shared with him exactly what I thought, the reservations that I had. He was so gracious. I apologized. We developed a relationship. He has a piece of my artwork to this day. But I grew as a result of that. Now, maybe six, maybe 10 years later, I'm on a plane, our company plane, going to the Masters. In the cockpit, there's a woman. She looked a lot like you, blonde hair. I've never seen a woman pilot, but I had a completely different approach. 
Isn't that amazing? Because I had grown. I wanted to be better. She would not have been in the cockpit if she couldn't fly the plane. As a matter of fact, if a woman is in the cockpit or a black man is in the cockpit, they can fly the plane damn good. So, you know, but I didn't think, it's just amazing what social construct does to all of us. And if we want to be better, if we want to grow, then we'll face our biases, uh, not just for us, but to make the entire community better. You also said like, if you work for uh, hard for life, the life also, you know, works hard for you. So there has been a step up where you did, um, you also went through the steps systematically um, to grow. So it isn't just because, you know, you were given the opportunities, you worked hard to work through the paths that you had to do and learn what you need to do. So when you talk about winning, what are your, um, uh, let's say advice um, in how to approach winning in life? Sure. Well, I will tell you that if anyone were to ask me, how do you get to serve on three corporate boards? You own seven restaurants. You're the first black president of this huge dining, over 6,000 members. And you see the past president's wall of about 37 white males. We still don't have a woman up there. So you have that experience. Um, president of the largest Kiwanis club in the world. We've only had two black presidents. So you ask that question, how did you get there? And you have a degree in art. Now, I know some of my associates who have MBAs, masters of business degrees hanging on their walls, and yet they can't run a lemonade stand. If you were to say, Larry, what are, the, what are those tenants? What makes the difference? I will tell you this. We just finished a tour of visiting every single high school in the Birmingham City School System. They bought 2,800 books for their high school students, and we concentrated with those young. Talk about a rewarding experience. It was awesome to see. And here are the tenants that I drove, because these are the five areas, Fujian, I think that makes the difference. It made a difference in my life and propelled me to do the things that I do today. And they are these, communication skills, powerful, relationship skills, demeanor, deportment, disposition. Anybody who will major in those five can pretty much, I mean, constantly honing your skills in these five areas. How do I communicate? How do I relate to other people? How do I deport myself? What demeanor am I presenting? And if you're checking those constantly, I will say this to you, organizations, programs, corporations have little choice but to place high premiums on those individuals who are constantly honing his or her people skills. We call them soft skills. Well, let me assure you that they are not soft skills at all. They are quite critical skills. And as I look over my 
history. I mean, 43 years with Coca-Cola, 30 years with McDonald's, 30 years with Sonova's Bank, not once have we terminated anybody because of his or her competency level. In every case, it was an inability to work well with others. That is so powerful. And I can't tell you of the number of qualified, capable, competent individuals, all of the education that you can imagine, all of the degrees, but could not work well with other people. That, that is so significant to me that I don't even talk about your respective area of discipline when I go into the high schools, although that's important. You want to declare an interest, but these are the five. If you master these, you can pretty much write your ticket. Now, let's talk about just for a second the, the converse of that. I have a friend, maybe there's a physician that's listening, but I have a friend who was the first black chief justice of the state of Alabama. He's back litigating now. And he says to me, Larry, you would not believe the number of cases that my firm litigates on behalf of physicians for no other reason than poor bedside manners. And so when you think about four years of undergrad, sit for the MCAT, four years of medical school, three, four years of residency, pass the bar, but you never learn how to talk to people. Just another 10 or 15 minutes of empathizing with the situation. Relationships. Oh, my goodness. I, that is so true. Most of the statistics in um, malpractices have shown that people would forgive a doctor's mistake if they related to them and they felt <sighs> cared for and this was just the mistake. However they would not forgive if that person did not did not felt cared for by their doctor. Absolutely. Yes. It's all yeah. about caring. Yes. All about caring. Well, everyone. In fact, I had a friend, Pujan, to reduce leadership to one word. And I've been wrestling with it for about seven or eight years now, but I cannot disprove it. He says, I can reduce leadership to one word. And that word is caring. And I thought that was so interesting. Very powerful statement and a bold statement that I think has a lot of truth to it. Very much. Everyone, Larry Thornton, get his book, Why Not Win. Larry, anything we haven't touched upon that you really want people to know? Um, I'll make this statement as we wrap up. And I say it in the book. The way that you are is not the way that you have to be. That's a big miss that people make. You can be a very different way if you're willing to put the work in. But what do we hear most people say? Well, you know, man, that's just the way I am. You know, but girl, you know, I've been that way all my life and never stop to think, is it working for you? If it's not, then you can abort that way of being, and you can be a very different way. You can give yourself permission to do that. And I think I, that's probably the miss that a lot of us make. We don't realize the power that we have to decide to be better, to win in life. Uh, I have learned, and I heard this somewhere, but I have in the book, you know, work harder on yourself 
I hope that you, that's a part of the therapy that you share. Work harder on yourself than you do on any job. Because once you improve you, well, the community, your family, your experience is much better uh, if we work on ourselves. We have more control than we give ourselves credit for. I saw this phrase and I don't know who it was, but it said that the best thing I could ever do for you is to really work hard on me. So ah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well said. Thank you so much for taking your holiday, Memorial Day, and being with us. I can't think of a better place that I would rather have been than to share this with you. And I hope that your listeners will be able to get something out of what I share. Thank you. I really enjoyed your book. I really enjoyed our conversation and um, hope that our path gets crossed again somewhere good. Absolutely. Continue to share the book. Thanks. Absolutely. And again, with your permission, I'm going to take some of those chapters and also teach it in my class next uh, fall. Please do. Please Thanks. do. Thank you. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today.